Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, I cannot wait to get into this podcast. Ready to give you guys this interview. I've been waiting to do this for a while. It's back. It's Mike North. It's Schedule Talk. Mike is the Vice President of Broadcast Planning for the National Football League. I had him on this podcast a year ago. It was phenomenal to hear the insight into what goes into schedule making, what we were looking at for the Buffalo Bills. And of course, he kind of teased us with, yep, lots of primetime games. Networks want them. That's exactly what happened. But then obviously a lot of things maneuvered anyway as the season was going on. Guess what? I think the same thing is going to happen this year. You'll hear it. You'll hear my interview with Mike North and all the stuff about the Bills scheduling, the NFL scheduling, uh, rotation of the 17th game, playoff scheduling down the road. There's so much we get to. I'm really excited to bring this to you. Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. Download, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. However you found this, keep it locked in there, okay? Subscribe. Make sure you throw me a nice review, a like, all that kind of stuff. And in the meantime, enjoy Mike North of the NFL. He is the VP of Broadcast Planning. All right, Mike North, VP of the NFL's Broadcast Planning, and last year we had such a great time here. You were so illuminating. Uh, You really gave us an amazing insight into how the schedule is made, kind of a peek behind the curtain, if you will. People really loved it. My listeners did. I know that. And here in Buffalo especially, we were very, very excited because you teased us a lot on what was going to happen with the Bills, and it wound up happening. So thanks for doing this again. I really do appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So let's start, Mike. I'll get into the Bills in a little while. Obviously, my uh, listeners are very interested in that, but let's start with just the overall stuff for the NFL, if I can. Um, 17 games. Uh, Obviously, we knew this was coming. We talked about it last year that it could be coming down. It has happened. How how difficult was that or challenging at all for you and your department, especially or even considering maybe that you already had a heads up and knowing maybe what the league wanted to do with that? Yeah, look, we've been... uh contemplating this 17th game for a couple of years now. So first things first, you know, what is that 17th game going to be? You know, we obviously looked at, you know, rivalry games. Should the Jets and Giants play each other every year? Should the Rams and Chargers play each other every year? Stuff like that. You could probably get to maybe half the league, maybe two thirds with like a natural rival, but then you're kind of forcing it. You're a little faking it for the last quarter there. So that didn't really pan out all the way. And, uh, you know, from a competitive standpoint, one of the things that we really sort of coalesced around early was the need to have this extra game, this 17th game, be an interconference game and have one conference hosting it each year. Because what you didn't want to have happen is to say, you know, let's have the AFC East and the AFC North host the extra game this year, but the AFC South and the AFC West don't. And so they only play eight home and nine road. And then you get down to a wild card spot and you're looking at that six or seven seed and you got two teams fighting it out. 
one who played eight home games and one who played nine home games. That didn't feel right. So it had to be interconference. It had to be all hosted by one conference this year and alternating. The other conference will host them all next year. And where we got to was we could have one more standing space game. You know, right now with a 16-game season, 256 games, we've only got two of those games that are standing spaced. Adding a third standing space game didn't seem that too unfair to the one seeds, to the division winners. Yes, they'd have to play one more one seed, but, you know, they're the division winners, right? Mm -hmm. And then what it enabled us to do is create this really high-end additional inventory that you can imagine our television partners were definitely salivating over. You know, we created a game this year like Green Bay, Kansas City, a game like Dallas, New England, Seattle, Pittsburgh. You know, some of these games that sound like national television games, and as we try to find all these extra homes for increased national television windows and our new deals. Um, you know, we needed the extra inventory. So like I said, we quickly came around to it being an interconference game, it being hosted by entire conference one year and the other conference the next. And then it was just a question of how do you create the actual game and doing it standing space creates a little extra inventory, gives you a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more kind of um, nuance for, you know, hey, who's it going to be? And it's not going to be the same team year after year. It's going to be something new. It's going to be something different. And like I said, you create these one versus one games. You're creating, you know, maybe a Super Bowl rematch from, you know, days gone by or, or maybe even a Super Bowl preview. The AFC is the home team this year, the home conference. Is that because they're also the home conference in the Super Bowl? Did you want that to line up or is it just the way it happened? You know what? If somebody had to go first. Uh, was there any magic to the AFC? You know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, stadium sizes. We talked a little bit about, you know, teams on the rise. We talked a little bit about COVID and, and which uh, markets, which cities were maybe handling it best. Um, obviously, there's some revenue implications. There's still those two new stadiums out there in L.A. and Vegas that while we played football in them last year, they were empty. So having an opportunity to sort of celebrate those stadiums now with fans, you know, two of them are AFC teams. So, you know, was there any real magic to it? No, it would have been perfectly fine if the NFC hosted, but uh, had to start somewhere and we'll go with the AFC this year. So this year it's, for example, a NFC East at AFC East. I say that because obviously the Bills will be hosting Washington football. Is the plan right now to basically kind of do it like a four-year rotation? Next year it'll be AFC East at maybe like NFC North and then South and yeah. Central. Is that the yeah. plan? That's exactly what it is. You play another division in the other conference every year by rotation. And that means one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You know, it's a straight rotation in the inter-conference games. That means there's always a division in the other conference that you're not playing this year, mm -hmm. you didn't play last year, and you're not playing next year. So what we're doing is we're adding in this one extra this year, AFC East versus NFC East. So, you know, you get a chance to see somebody from that division that otherwise you wouldn't see for, you know, another three years. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll spread it around a little bit. You'll pick up an opponent that, again, you didn't play last year, you're not playing this year, and you won't play next year. So it'll just rotate similar to the way we rotate the interconference games now. So it's easy for people, fans, the math obviously works out. It's basically two years ago. But what about what happens in four years when it basically, because it's an even number, it's the East at the East again. So you would never get in this situation, AFC East at NFC East. Does that matter to you? Because they're already going to play anyway in a different scenario, or is that something that's tricky where you're going to have to start to fluctuate which where each team goes? 
Yeah, what we're talking about doing is kind of keeping it this way for eight years. You know, what's the likelihood that the Washington team and the Buffalo team finish in the exact same spot right. in their divisions four years from now and they play each other again? Certainly possible. One and eight, I guess, is the math. But um, if that happens again, it'll be, again, NFC at AFC. But then what we're looking at doing is at some point in there resetting the rotation. So maybe we get through eight years AFC, NFC, AFC, NFC, alternating for eight years. And then maybe year nine, instead of just continuing the alternation, reset the rotation and start over again and have the NFC host. And that way, if by chance Washington and Buffalo finish in the exact same spot in their divisions for the next, say, 16 years, that means over the course of those 16 years, they'll play each other, whatever it is there, eight times, four times in Washington, four times in Buffalo. That's awesome because you just answered, like in that answer, I just have a hundred questions at me on Twitter that I can just fire that back off at people. So there you go. I appreciate that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. No problem. Um, all right. So you mentioned the TV partners and obviously this new rights deal is the other big um, bit of news that's come down recently with the schedule and how that's going to work going forward. Some primetime movement, some, you know, carriage who's carrying everything. What about from your standpoint? How, how did the the new TV rights deal, what was the biggest challenge for you as a schedule maker? What will it be? I should say maybe starting in 2023. Uh, you know, we've been talking about these new TV deals for years and trying to figure out, you know, the right model. We've been in one place for so long, right? AFC team on the road, that game belongs to CBS and NFC on the road. That game belongs right. to Fox. And then we got to go populate the primetime packages. And in that scenario, every time you pick a game for primetime, you're basically taking that game away from CBS and Fox. And so what we proposed, and we got pretty close to it, was getting rid of the notion of any game belongs to any network. All 272 games, free agents from day one. Nobody has squatters rights. Nobody has any obligation. Nobody has you know, an ability to protect anything. Every single game is a free agent. Now the scheduling team can take really an unfettered look at all 272 of these games and figure out the best way to deploy them. They are assets, right? And some of them are worth more than others. And we're not doing our jobs if we're putting the best games in a Sunday one o'clock window with eight other games going on and that game only being available in 15 or 18% of the country. But we're also not doing our jobs if you take, you know, of the 272 and you rank them, take game number 245 and put it on Sunday night football or Monday night football. That's not what our fans are looking for. So what we were able to do in the new deals is, is begin to chip away at the notion of, Hey, any game actually belongs to anyone else. And maybe they're not all entirely free agents, but we're a little closer to that. So kind of blurring the lines between the NFC package, the AFC package, what games go to prime time and are we taking them away from CBS and Fox? We're not. Now what we're able to do is take all the games, take a very fresh look and then completely, you know, unimpeded look at all 272 and really figure out what's the best way to put all 272 of these assets in the spot that delivers the most value. And that value might be relative to our international partners, our primetime partners. Maybe the best spot for that game really is Sunday at one o'clock mm -hmm. because it can cover 60 to 65% of the country in a regional window. So how do you figure each one of these games in the window that gives us the most value for it and give the fans the most value for it? Anybody can look at the list of 272 and think, holy cow, these are the 10 or 15 must-see. I, I got to watch these games. I don't care when they are. I'm going to watch them. Well, again, we're not doing our jobs if we're not putting those in television windows where you can watch them. So 
trying to take all the games, make them free agents, and really deploy them in the way that makes us feel like we're delivering the best value to our fans and to our television partners. That's sort of what we set out to accomplish. And like I said, I think we got most of the way there. There's still a you know, NFC slant to the Fox package and an AFC slant to the CBS package. And obviously we have a couple of extra weeks now, so you got to put a few more primetime games in there somewhere. But um, the notion that we're taking a game away from anybody has kind of gone away. Now it's just, all right, we're going to deploy them in the way that we think it makes the most sense and make sure everybody gets a fair shake. Has the um, playing divisional opponents only basically in the last week of the season has last year there last year there seemed to be a thing you know going on week seventeen what's the best matchup obviously you put Washington Philadelphia on that that late night spot has it worked out the way you wanted um, for the most part at least having that and is that the plan still going forward Yeah yeah it is look I, I was one of the ones I may have said this when I was on with you last year I was one of the ones when this idea was first floated by my boss Howard Katz. I wasn't in favor. I, I was worried that, you know, you have to save a division game in each division, two really, for the final week of the season. That was really limiting. And what you get into is, you know, you think about a game like Buffalo-Miami or Buffalo-New England, no disrespect to the Jets, of course, but that Buffalo-New England game, you put it in week 17 or now 18, and you got to wait a whole season to find out if that game is still worth something by the time you get to it. Whereas from where I sat, you know, I wouldn't mind putting both Buffalo New England games somewhere in our schedule earlier. You know, one of them could be a CBS doubleheader game at 425 and the other one could be on Sunday night or Monday night. But if you have to save one for the final week of the season, you run the risk of by the time you get there, there's no value to it. And so I wasn't necessarily a fan of this plan, but we've been doing it, whatever it is now, nine or 10 years. It has absolutely worked. There's no two ways around it. Every week 17 seems to have tons of storylines. You know, it's harder to clinch a division or even a wild card if you know you still have a, a, a divisional game still to play. And it just seems like every year there's storylines, there's playoff berths at stake, and it has proven to be a, an absolute benefit to our fans, to our television partners. The all-division games in the final week of the season is probably here to stay, and uh, it'll certainly be in place for 21. I know you have a great staff you work with. Um, I know that you guys, you know, plan for a lot of things, but... Boy, how challenging was last year for for you and your staff to piece everything together, games on the move, games being canceled, games being moved all over the place seemingly on a weekly basis? It was certainly unique. Uh, I'll say that. Um, You know, it was really twofold. Number one is when we were building the schedule, April and May, you know, we were we were building it during the you know first couple of months of the pandemic, and it was hard to tell at that point, hey, are we going to be out of this in six months or is this the next year, year and a half of our lives? And we were building a schedule last year, knowing that we might not be able to start it, you know, September 10th or whatever that opening weekend was last year. Uh, who knows what the world was going to look like five or six months later. So we were building the schedule last year, contemplating whether or not we were actually going to be able to start on time. And we had a couple of levers to pull and a couple of trap doors built in. You know, a lot of people kind of picked up on it on Twitter soon after the schedule came out. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the first couple of weeks of the season, every team had one home and one road. So if you had to take those two weeks out of September, move them to January and start the season with week three, you could have done that and probably still been fair to everybody on the back end. Um, if you move those first two weeks to the back end and you still couldn't start week three and maybe we weren't going to be able to play a full season, if a couple of weeks had to be lost, well, weeks three and four – had every team with one home and one road and nobody playing any division games. Hmm. So if you were going to lose two weeks of the season, those might've been the two to lose, right? You could still have been left 
everybody playing seven home, seven road, and all their divisional games. So we definitely contemplated what if we didn't start on time? What we didn't contemplate, nobody really could have thought of, was what happens if the season starts on time and then you run into an issue where you can't play a game or two? We got really lucky with that first one. It was Tennessee-Pittsburgh. And we got really lucky just because neither one of them had had their bye yet. So we were able to slide both of their buys up into week four. You move the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game down into week seven, I think it was. And Pittsburgh was scheduled to play Baltimore in week eight. You just slid that to week eight, and you move the Baltimore buy up into week seven. We only had to move a couple other games and still keep the integrity, still keep the schedule intact. That got harder as we went on. And certainly the New England-Denver game, I think it was, when we had to move the buys into that week, I think it was week five, we had to move about eight other games and six other buys just to keep everything intact. I was honestly a little surprised that that was the plan that was enacted. You know, we ran it through the software. We figured out this could be done, but holy cow, this is a lot of moving pieces. Are we sure this is the right thing? Um, But the boss man decided that was the way to go. And and frankly, everybody else got on board. You know, the the New England and, and Denver schedules weren't really that impacted, but everybody else's was, you know, the Chargers, the Jets, the Dolphins, you know, everybody had games impacted. And, Everybody got right on board and said, hey, we get it. Thanks for trying to keep the trains running on time, and and you tell us when to show up, and and we'll be there. So uh, everybody really got on board. Once we got a little later in the season, though, and the bye week started to kind of be in the rearview mirror, there was really no other way to salvage any one of these weeks. If you really couldn't play a game, you would have had to just put it in a drawer and come back to it in what would have then maybe have been week 18. And then you had the whole question of do you make – everybody who's in the playoffs wait an extra week just so a couple of teams can play their 16th game. And there's a lot of discussion about what constitutes a full season and what's fair and how do you do the tiebreakers if you don't have the same number of conference games and all that kind of stuff. So you saw at the end there, we really would have done anything we had to, to keep playing those games in the weeks they were scheduled. And that's how we ended up playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And, you know, we played a game every week of the season last year. Was it perfect? It, it wasn't. You know, certainly teams played games without, uh, you know, coaches and, and star players and quarterbacks and entire position groups like our friends in Denver had to. Um, certainly wasn't perfect, but that's what it took to start on time, end on time, play the whole season, crown a champion. You know, the only professional sports league in the country to do that. Um, we were fortunate, obviously, that you know, the pandemic was, you know, the, the hot spots was what, March to August. That worked out well for us just because it was our off season. But once we got started, you know, we were able to move a few things around when we still had the benefit of the bye weeks. But once we didn't, at that point, you really just kind of had to hold on and, and figure it out. And we moved this one to Tuesday, moved the following week to Monday and played afternoon games and Wednesday afternoons and did whatever we could to keep it going. I certainly hope we're not dealing with that again this year. <laughs> uh, none of us does. I'll say you guys did a great job. I, it's amazing you got every game in. And I think as the as the season went on and we saw that was going to happen, that became kind of a talking point that, wow, look look what the NFL has been able to do. You know, So great job by you and your entire department there. It, it, I'm sure it was very challenging. You get to the playoffs. Did it work out for you the way you wanted with the new team and the way this, you guys had the schedule with the three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I, I like it. Um, you know, there there certainly are purists out there who question expanding uh, the postseason. But, you know, percentage-wise, I still think we're on the lower end relative to the other professional sports, at least in this country. And, um, you know, having those extra teams still involved in December, particularly yep. as we look ahead to, you know, the expanded season. As the season gets longer and you play more games, 
you know, just mathematically speaking, you know, you're probably more likely to identify the better teams. The bigger the sample size, the more likely the cream rises. And yeah. so what we were worried about is, you know, adding the season, adding a week to the season where they're going to be more divisions clinched earlier. Again, that's a benefit to having more division games played late in the year. It keeps anybody from clinching too early. But now as you play these extra games, and yes, some of them are going to be in January in outdoor cold weather stadiums. And, you know, that's obviously a challenge for our fans. But if there's still a playoff spot on the line, people are going to show up. So knowing that we were likely expanding the season, it made sense to expand the playoffs. And we got into, uh, you know, three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, wild card weekend. It was a lot of football. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I'll tell you what I think we're heading towards is Monday night of wild card weekend now. Instead of playing three and three, we'll probably end up going two on Saturday, three Sunday, one Monday. And one of the reasons we didn't do it last year was because we had the college football national championship mm. on what would have been Monday of wild card weekend. Now with our season running one extra week, we can be on the back end of the CFP championship game. And now our wild card weekend that Monday night, ESPN or another partner is free to carry NFL football. And now you can get out of that Saturday, one o'clock Eastern time slot and play on Monday night. And I think a Monday night wild card game is going to be a lot of fun for our fans. You know, as we talked last year, you know, people, fans, teams, they'll call you and say something's unfair. I battled with people last year when the Bills went to the playoffs defending you guys because people said it's unfair the Bills won their division they have to be the early game and get the less rest you know, before their, their first game. And I said, but wait a minute, if they win, they're probably going to have to play on Sunday. They, it, it washes out in the end. Do you care about that, like where the teams finish Absolutely. their seeds and when they play Saturday or Sunday? Well, less about where they finish relative to their seeds and more about where were they in week 17? Okay. Where were they in week 16? You know, kind of looking at where they might go for divisional weekend if they win. Obviously, a little harder now with the seven seeds and only knowing the one seed is waiting on divisional weekend. Everybody else is still playing. But, you know, do we default say that the one seed or the two seed or the division winners all play Sunday? You can't do that. Obviously, we don't have enough windows across both conferences. So, we try to look at everything and, and balance it out. There's uh, competitive implications. You know, yeah, like you said, short week from week 17 to wild card weekend, but then long week from wild card weekend to divisional weekend. Maybe it's a travel consideration. If there's a cross country trip in there somewhere, maybe that one shouldn't be played on a short week. Maybe if the team got moved, like you said, Washington and Philadelphia played Sunday night of week 17 asking you know the winner of that game to turn around and come back on a short week that's something we got to consider thankfully the division games in that final weekend sort of limit the travel so you're not going to have anybody really playing a cross-country trip the final weekend of the season it's all regional it's all hopefully as close as we can get so we try to balance everything you know including the requests uh, of our television partners you know everybody like we said you can look at the 272 regular season games and point to the best ones you can do the same thing when you get in a wild card weekend. We've got six games and everybody can kind of say that's the best one and that's maybe the second best one. And so all the network partners are lining up and saying, I want that one. Well, I want that one, too. Somebody's got to, you know, be the judge and, and make a decision. And it, it all just goes into the consideration pile. What are we doing competitively? What are we doing for travel? What are we saying to the fans? What's the weather forecast look like? Where might they have to go the following weekend? What's going to give us the best television ratings? Is there a blanket statement where we can always say, oh, we would never do that? Probably not. Although as we look ahead now to a Monday night wildcard game, I think it's pretty safe to assume that if you play Monday night a wildcard weekend and you win, 
you're going to play Sunday of divisional weekend. Mike North, VP of Broadcast Planning for the National Football League. All right, Mike, some Bills questions here for you. Obviously, that's what my audience is most concerned with. Great stuff on the overall picture of the NFL. But when it comes to the Bills, the first thing I have to ask you, because everybody wants to know, how much in consideration are they going to be for that opening Thursday night game at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? The Bucs have a good home schedule, obviously, but the Bills are one of the final four from last year, and Bills fans are wondering, are they going to put, be put in that game? I'm sure you're not going to reveal it here on my podcast, but how much of a consideration are the Bills for that game? They're absolutely in the conversation. They have to be, just like you said. I mean, you know, you look at the Tampa Bay home schedule, and there's some excellent games, obviously. You could take frankly, any of the division games, you know, Carolina and Atlanta are interesting, but maybe not at that upper echelon quite yet. New Orleans, obviously a little different story without Drew Brees under center, but never more interesting than they are in week one. You know, Tampa hosts the Giants, they host Chicago, they host Dallas, you know, there's so many good games. Obviously, Buffalo Tampa is going to be a big game. What this really comes down to, like we said before, it's deploying each asset and generating maximum value. You could put Buffalo Tampa on kickoff in week one, but that kickoff game, that Thursday night game tends to have a floor and it's pretty high and it tends to have a ceiling. You know, there's probably a limit to how many viewers you can actually get in front of their television on Thursday night for kickoff of the NFL season. That being said, this is a very different year. Hopefully we're all coming out of the pandemic. We're all vaccinated and we're all excited to be back in full stadiums again. You know, you could certainly see us wanting to get out the gate as fast and as big as we possibly can. So there's no question Buffalo's in the conversation. Are they a slam dunk? Obviously, they're going to be kickoff. No, nah, certainly not. But are they in the conversation? Yeah, they have to be. That's what happens when, like we said last year, you know, suddenly you start finding yourselves after all those years of, you know, whatever Sunday one o'clock starts, you mm-hmm. know, this is what success breeds. This is what it brings. Now you're going to looking at a whole bunch of national television windows and that brings its own challenges. You know, it, it, it knocks you off your routine. You're going to be playing Sunday night games. You're going to be playing Thursday games. You're going to be playing Monday night games. You're going to be playing those light afternoon Sundays. There's a, a, a new sort of adjustment to success that a lot of these teams really, if they haven't had to deal with it in a while, kind of find, you know, a little shock to the system, if you will. You know, all those years of the routine of Sunday at one o'clock. And now suddenly it's a Thursday followed by a Sunday, followed by a Monday, followed by London, followed by Sunday, followed by Thursday, followed by Monday. You know, it, 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 it asks a lot. It really does. It asks a lot of the fans. It asks a lot of the players, the coaching staff. Um, but again, that's what success brings. And, and I'm pretty sure most Bills fans will take that over you know, those seasons of four and 12 and, and all those Sunday one o'clock games. No doubt. And by the way, some Saturdays in there for the bills the last couple of years as well. They've been on those, those Saturday kickoffs yeah. you guys have given. I mean, look, that's sort of what happens when a team is kind of on the rise. You know, you very rarely go from, you know, no national television to a maximum number of national television. We always say you kind of play your way into prime time. Well, one of the ways you do that is by getting into some of those national windows sort of as almost stepping stones. You know, that's kind of what Thanksgiving was when you guys went out to Dallas. That was almost like a reintroduction to the Buffalo Bills franchise. Obviously, people remember the four Super Bowls, but that was a long time ago, right? Now, you sort of had this reintroduction. You went down to Dallas, you pumped them, and you had a fantastic rating for that game, an incredible amount of viewership. And a lot of people were like, holy cow, Bills are good. Right. Let's watch them a little bit more. Now, when fans watch them a little bit more, now the networks come back to us, the scheduling team, the following year and say, hey, listen, I know we didn't ask for a whole lot of Bills games last year, but 
if you could find it in your heart to slide a couple of Bills games to us over here on Monday night or in the Saturday pool or on Sunday night football, you know, we're interested. They're good. They rate. Fans care. We'd like them in national television windows. That fits really well with our narrative of rewarding the teams that have had some success and, like we said, have played their way into these national television windows. I, I want to hold that thought and ask you something about that. But first, that first weekend, you still have, though, a Sunday and usually two Mondays. There's been some reporting. It's only going to be one Monday night game this year. There's going to be two later on. Um, do we know that for sure? Can you say that for sure right now? Or is that still something in the works? Yeah, it's one. It's no, one. it's one. It's one, one Monday night game in week one. And, and your point is valid. You know, you, you can't just make the kickoff game in Tampa, you know, great and everything right. else subpar. You've really got to try to find a great kickoff game for Thursday night, a great Sunday night football game on NBC, a great Monday night football game on ESPN, and at least two great games on Sunday afternoons for CBS and Fox. You know, like we said before, you know, taking all the good stuff away and putting it in prime time and not leaving behind any quality inventory for the Sunday afternoon partners that's not ideal for our friends at CBS and Fox. They're paying the bills just like everybody else. We got to make sure there's some quality inventory left behind for them. So, you know, as you think about what to do with the bills in week one, you know, you could send them to Tampa on kickoff. You could put them on Sunday night football against a Kansas City or a New England. You could put them in the Sunday afternoon time slot on CBS against a Pittsburgh or, uh, you know, an Indianapolis or, or New England there. You can cross-flex them, slide them over to Fox and let Fox have a bite of the Bills apple and have them play one of those, maybe that NFC East game, like we said, that Washington-Buffalo game, never more interesting than it is in week one. And certainly, like we said, you could slide them over to Monday night. There's a ton of games that you could put in the schedule for Monday night football that fans would look at and think over the next six months when that schedule comes out in a couple of weeks, hey, that's one I'm looking forward to in week one. So how do you maximize the bills in week one? How do you maximize all the network partners in week one? What are those key storylines? Is it quarterbacks getting drafted? Is it uh, you know, the Super Bowl champs returning is the teams that are on the rise coming back, teams that are replacing legends at quarterback. Everybody's got a great story to tell in week one. You can't tell all your stories in week one. You got to save some good stuff for later in the season too. So that's half the battle here. Really trying to figure out the right time to deploy each of these assets. It sounds like you're saying that the newness of the bills hasn't worn off. And I don't even know if that does happen necessarily, but it is a small market. As you know, they still have Josh Allen and they're obviously a team that by most prognosticators and, you know, Vegas lines, they're going to be in the mix for uh, an AFC championship again. So are we basically in the same boat as we were last year when you said what you said about networks want the bills, they resonate well, we're going to make sure we get them on primetime this year. No question. No question. I mean, particularly when you look at your 17 games, you know, you got to think about some of those being, you know, kind of stand out there. They're just a little bit bigger than some of the other ones, right? right? The Kansas City game, for instance, when Buffalo goes out to KC, that cannot be a one o'clock in the afternoon game in September in 15% of the country, right? That game has to be on national television somewhere. When you play New Orleans, when you play New England twice, when you go to Tampa, like we said, if we don't do it at kickoff, you know, where is the right spot to deploy that Buffalo Tampa arrow, if you will? You know, you want you want to hit the biggest target with your best arrows. And and that's really half the battle for us is really trying to figure out which of these Bills games are going to stand out and which ones belong in national television and really where in the season. You know, you could take that game like Buffalo Tampa. You could play it in week one. But. Isn't it worth a little bit more if you saved it for December and they're both in a playoff chase and you start talking about a Super Bowl preview 
But maybe December's a little too late. What if the Bills, like you said, all oh, Vegas line has the Bills running away with the AFC East this year. You know, what if the Bills clinch this thing in week 14 and you saved Buffalo-Tampa or Buffalo-New England or Buffalo-Kansas City for week 16? You don't want to be holding that key asset and not have a chance to deploy it because by that point, you know, the moment's gone. So really trying to figure out not only which of these games to put in national windows, but also where in the season. There's definitely some seasonality to this. And that's why we constantly wrestle with how do you get the maximum value, the maximum bang for your buck from each one of these games and really try to figure out the very best ones and then put those in the really best time slots. And like we said, I don't think you're going to end up playing Kansas City and Tampa and New England and New Orleans all in September. Got to save some of those big ones for later. Now, sometimes fans, myself included, people in the media, we might not see the forest through the trees when it comes to ratings. We've talked about the Bills, and they do resonate, they do rate. Can you kind of quantify that for us a little bit? Like, are they a team that when they're on, you definitely see a bit of an uptick in what you would normally see in most markets? Uh, It's trending in that direction, no question. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, years and years of viewer habits and, and, you know, preconceived notions that sometimes we have to chip away at. And that's like we said, you've got to have, you know, some, some sustained success. You know, I'll give you a good example. You know, 10 years ago, you know, the Seattle Seahawks were not a television ratings draw. They were not one of the teams that our network partners came clamoring for. They were, you know, I don't want to say an afterthought. There's no such thing in this league. Every game matters, but you know, the Pacific Northwest and the market size and the fan base. And 10 years ago, the Seahawks were not, you know, catnip to the television partners. Then they get this quarterback in there and then they have some success and sustained success. And then they get a little marketing ploy there with a little neon in their jerseys. And then they've got the 12s and they've got this whole, you know, uh, you know, nobody comes into our house. It's a hard place to play, blah, blah, blah. And now all of a sudden, Seattle is one of those tentpole kind of teams. But it didn't happen overnight. You know, it took a few years. Again, it would be impossible for us not to look at some of the bigger Bills games this year and think to ourselves, those are absolutely slam dunk, home run national television games. What ends up happening is, you know, a, a team like Seattle a few years ago or a team like Buffalo right now, they sort of transition from being the opponent in the big TV game right. to becoming the anchor, right? And so instead of, you know, oh, remember that Monday night game when you played Dallas and we had the 50-yard field goal at the end, you know, that was a Dallas game on national television, and that was how the Bills got on. Now the Bills are going to be the anchor for Monday night football, and they're going to be pulling along somebody else who might be, you know, not quite there yet in terms of national brand awareness and, you know, heading for another playoff berth you kind of switch from being the opponent to the anchor. That's where I think we are now in the Bills transition. And, you know, we're fans like everybody else. We're not allowed to root, of course. But, you know, I sure hope this quarterback plays for 10 more years. Mm. And I hope he has the success he's had because, man, he's a fun watch. And the team is fun to watch. And, you know, you keep winning your division and you keep winning playoff games. And you're going to find yourself as the anchor. And you're going to be pulling along the other teams now into those national television windows. It's funny. By the way, obviously we do too, right? With Josh Allen, that would be great. And, you know, we just spoke with Brandon Bean earlier today about, you know, a contract extension and things like that. And hopefully that is the case. You have this great young crop of quarterbacks and I'm sure are great for television. Is, is, is Baker, are the Cleveland Browns kind of in that same mold right now where they're seeing this uptick like you saw with the Bills last year? Yeah. 
Yeah, almost exactly the same. Uh, you know, the, the difference maybe there is, um, you know, they had a year, I'm going to not get this 100% right, but they had a year maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Derek Anderson was the yes. quarterback, and they went 10-6. and six. I don't remember, I don't think they made the playoffs, but they had a good year. And the scheduling team the following year said, oh, the Browns are back, and let's make sure that this team – is going to be well represented on national television. And we put them in something like four primetime games, two national doubleheaders, and a Saturday slot. And doggone it, they went right back to six and 10. So, you know, we have to be wary of some of these teams that might be one year wonders. But to your point, you look in the AFC right now and you look at some of these young quarterbacks. Obviously, the one you've got up there and the kid in Baltimore and the kid in Cleveland, and now we got the kid in Los Angeles with the Chargers and in Cincinnati, and you've got all these young quarterbacks. This is going to be fun in the AFC for the next 10 years, and I am rooting like crazy for all those guys to stay healthy and to stay good and these teams to keep building. All that does is make all these assets, like we talked about, even more valuable now you don't have to look at a game and say, oh, I'm not so sure. Now you look at a game and you say, hey, if nothing else, that's a fantastic contest between two of these young up-and-coming quarterbacks in the AFC. And there's a bunch of them. So I, I love where it's trending. I love where it's heading. Um, you know, we're about to add one in Jacksonville, and yeah. they're going to add one probably here in New York. I mean, there's a lot of talent at that position, and that tends to be what the fans gravitate to, and that tends to be what the television viewers gravitate to. So, um, yeah, I think you're going to see the Bills on national television. I think you're going to see the Browns on national television. I'm sure we're not going to forget about Pittsburgh and, you know, mm -hmm. their old man at quarterback either. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, th th those are the things that our fans are interested in. And, and I think, we, again, we, we wouldn't be doing our job if we're not putting those games on TV where people can find them. I don't watch wrestling now, but I watched a lot when I was a kid. WWF. Did you watch like back in the day? WWF wrestling. Back I in the did 80s? way back when I was a kid. Your yeah, your sure. reference your reference a little while ago to the Bills being that team that was always the opponent. Like that's like special delivery yep. Jones. Remember that guy SD Jones? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. He'd always get beat up by whoever he get, went in the ring against. But now now they're the headliner, right? Which is really cool. Obviously, it's it's well it's, funny that we use this reference, but you know you're kind of right. There were times when you turned on television and you saw Hulk Hogan and he's you know, fighting the Iron Sheik and you're like, this is a big one. Yeah. But then there was times when it was Hulk Hogan and you're fighting somebody and you're like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> you know, we got to have some of those games too. Maybe those are the Sunday one o'clock games, but you know, when he's battling the big boys and that's the one that we all point to, even WWE was like, Hey, that's not week one. You know, you got to get the storyline started first. And so it's almost like a non-conference schedule for a college basketball team. And then you build your way up to Duke, North Carolina. Well, same thing for us, right? They can't all be, you know, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, and Jimmy Superfly, Snooker, <laughs> you know, right. when those guys fight each other, those are the ones you want to watch. They've got to have some of the other contests as well. Again, they got to build their way up. And sometimes you find that no name who took on the Hulkster and he pushed him. Yeah. Right. And that's he, right. and he, and he survived and he didn't win, but man, he got our attention that's how that guy begins to make a name for himself. And then he transitions from being, you know, the tomato can to the guy who's going to, you know, be the next storyline. And that's sort of not too dissimilar from what we've got as well. That's awesome. It's a great way to wind this down. Let me just ask you about the release of the schedule. I know last year we were in the pandemic. You guys kind of had to push it back a little bit, but then you said, you know what? Kind of worked out because 
Now you see some of the, these guys where they're getting drafted. You have a little more time to kind of figure some things out. Looks like it's going to be after the draft. And is this going to be the plan moving forward? Yeah, I think so. I think you're looking at first or second week in May most years now. And, and, and you've got it right. On the one hand, it, it is a tentpole event for the NFL. And it's something everybody can point to and get excited for. And you kind of slip it in right before the draft. And maybe that's not the best spot for it. Now April becomes all about the draft all about the mock drafts, all about these big trades that have been happening and everybody can focus on the draft. And then if something really unexpected, something major happens in the draft, we still got a little time to react to it. Again, I'm not sure that, you know, Jacksonville drafting Trevor Lawrence is going to change our perception too much of, you know, what we're going to do with some of those Jaguars games, especially early in the season. But, you know, if there is a big quarterback trade, for instance, you know, a team that we're counting on maybe suddenly now decides to go a different route or, you know, anything unexpected that's going to change, you know, not just the nature of one single game, but but entire team schedule. We've got a few days to react to it. I'm not sure we can completely tear down everything we've been working on for the past three months and completely rebuild it again in 48 hours and, and have one ready to go. But um, certainly if anything happens in the draft, we can react to it. And then, like we said, you can have all of April focusing on the draft, doing all the mocks and analyzing all the trades. Then the kids get drafted. And then you've got a week to sort of post-mortem the draft. Hey, who gets an A and who gets a B? And can you believe they traded him? And now, okay, we know where everybody's playing. Now let's find out who they're playing. And so you sort of get that first or second week in May, and it kind of carves out its own space in the NFL offseason calendar for schedule release. And one final one, I promise, a little fun one before I let you go. Is there a game or maybe two on the schedule that – you're particularly kind of like, oh, you know what? We don't get that one that much. I really like that game. It doesn't have to be even a primetime game or whatever, but I thought of this because when I saw the the Chiefs with the Packers because of the 17th game, that's the only reason we're getting that. So my, my uh, on our station, Mike Shope, our afternoon host and I, we like to play every year. We try to guess the opening weekend games, the primetime games. And I actually, I put Chiefs-Packers as the opening Sunday game. I hope I'm right. I might not be, but... I saw that and went, wait a minute, I didn't even realize we were getting that yet this year. Yeah, uh, that's the beauty of these extra games. Like we said, by, by doing it as a one versus one, you know, you get a division winner against another division winner. It definitely makes the Packers and the Chiefs schedules a little harder. Yes. It makes the Washington and the Buffalo schedules a little harder. I mean, all the ones are, are definitely are adding one more division champion to their slate of contests. So it definitely makes the schedules a little harder. But to your point, we've now created – fantastic game. I mean, Green Bay, Kansas City, I hope it's not the last time Mahomes and Rodgers do battle, but you know, if it is, thank goodness we got it in this year before Aaron goes and hosts Jeopardy or whatever he's going to do next. You know, this is a great asset for us. So as you look at the 272, Green Bay, Kansas City is right near the top. And then to your point, how do you deploy that to get maximum value for it? You could do it week one. There's never more interest in anybody than there is in week one. But Man, that's Green Bay and Kansas City, mm-hmm. right? You got to figure those guys are in this thing right till the end. Yep. Might that game be a little more interesting a little later in the season? Maybe you get a little more playoff implications. You get a little weather out there, maybe in Kansas City, a little snow falling. You know, I'm not sure that's one of those Week One games that 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 might be maybe heading for like you know November, December. That that feels like a game that you can count on. You know, like we talk about, how do you get maximum value out of each of these assets? Some of these games you do want to play nice and early because you want to get them in and get them in the bank and make sure that fans get to see them and we get to tell a story. Whereas if you wait too long, have you missed the moment? 
you know, Green Bay, Kansas City, obviously top of mind for everybody. But I'll give you the other game that I think is really top of mind for everybody else yeah. is uh, Tampa, New England. You know, Brady returns to Foxborough. We've had games like this before, obviously. You know, Peyton Manning went back to Indy when he was a Bronco. You know, Brett Favre went back to Lambeau. There's always these, you know, hail the conquering hero, whatever. But, you know, this is different, right? This is generational. The guy was there 20 years. He won all those rings. You know, him coming back in a different uniform, that is a big deal. And that's something that you got to figure everybody's interested in seeing. But again, you play that in week one. Uh, probably not. I mean, obviously Tampa's going to host kickoff, so you're not going to do it in week one. But do you do it in week two? Do you do it in week three? You get it in nice and early. Let the story be the story early in the season. Do you save it for later in the year when there's playoff implications? What if the Bills are running away with the AFC East at that point and New England is no longer in it as much? Have you lost some of the luster of that game? You know, and, and you do move it later in the year. Maybe the weather turns and the story isn't, you know, Brady's return, but the story is a, a rainstorm or a snowstorm, you know. So trying to figure out how to get maximum value out of every asset, but particularly some of those high-end ones. And we've listed a couple of them already. A couple of them are on your schedule, right? Pittsburgh, Buffalo, yep. Buffalo, Kansas City. You know, those are huge games. We're not going to play them all in September. We can't save them all for December. So they're going to have to sprinkle them out. We're going to have to sprinkle them out, not just throughout the season, but also throughout our television partners and let everybody get a chance to tell the Bills story, to tell the Patriots story, to tell the Bucks story, to tell the Steelers story. And that's, that's really the gig. It's really trying to spread out all these assets in a way that everybody feels like, yeah, I'm going to have a chance to tell a story when it's my turn to have that team or that game. And of course, every partner wants Tampa, New England. Every partner wants Green Bay, Kansas City. They can't all get them. So what do you get if you don't get one of those? Do you get Dallas, Kansas City? Do you get Pittsburgh, Kansas City? Do you get Buffalo, Kansas City? How do you spread out the high-quality inventory so everybody feels like you know they got a bite of the really juiciest apples? And then the season starts, and you kind of cross your fingers and hold on and hope that all those storylines you envisioned back in April and May actually end up playing out that way. Well, we are very excited for what the schedule holds again this year. And I know Buffalo Bills fans will have the coffee ready again because they're going to need it for more primetime games. People say, I have a great job. You have a great job. It's fun. I love putting the puzzle together. It's one of my favorite conversations. This is an awesome conversation every year. You've been so gracious with your time. But we are definitely looking forward to seeing that again this year. It's very mysterious. And as you said, I think because we're not used to it, right? New England, eh, they get primetime games every year for the last 20. We haven't We haven't been like this, Mike. This is really cool for all of us here in Buffalo. No, look, you've earned it. And, and and make no mistake, part of the allure is, you know, Bill's Mafia. And yeah. having that stadium full again, you know our network partners are going to be all over this. And, right. you know, it wasn't that long ago when it was like, oh, here's our list of requests, and maybe there weren't a whole lot of Bill's games on it. Now, here's our list of requests, and you'll see the Bill's games there, and we want them in Buffalo, you know? So that has shifted. And this is what success brings. This is what a rabid, passionate fan base brings. And like we said, I, I hope we're having this conversation every year for the next decade and constantly trying to figure out, you know, what are they going to do with us in prime time this year? Because hopefully you're in that conversation for the next 10 years. Let's hope we can catch up maybe in the summer, do a little postmortem on the schedule. I'd love to do that sometime. Happy to do it. Anytime. Thank you, Mike. Mike North, VP of Broadcast Planning for the NFL. Thank you very much and enjoy the season. You too. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 